Wait, did you hear? <gasps> no. We're diving into the juiciest celebrity profiles of all time. I'm Beatrice Hazelhurst. And I'm Ivana Ryder. This, this is Uncover Girl. Girl. I do think we have to address the elephant in the room, which is that you're crying. <laughs> the only other time I get like this is usually British Bake Off. It's camaraderie and friendship that really sends me over the edge. People succeeding despite their circumstances, overcoming adversity really gets As me. a community. Yeah. I just watched. I, it was inadvisable. I made a grave error in that every time I watch the Super Bowl halftime show from 2022... I really get upset because it is so special. It was the show where um, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Eminem and Mary J. Blige, 50 Cent, Kendrick Lamar all performed. And um, it just really shakes me to my core. You know, they put the backup dancers in uh, prison uniforms because obviously black people are disproportionately incarcerated in this country. Yeah. Yeah, it just really gets me because it's like these are all people who've overcome so much to to perform and the music is so good. And they've come up together too, a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Their careers have been sort of side by side. Yeah, they lifted each other up, as we'll soon learn. Wow. But how are you? I'm good. I'm good. You just I this is all to say, Ivana just walked in and I was like a complete mess. Yeah, as, tears as I always streaming. <laughs> tears streaming. I was like, oh my god, something's seriously wrong. No, I just yeah, watching watching that show just gets me so hard. I haven't seen any other halftime as good. Nothing has shaken me quite like that one. No, shaken. I think the Prince halftime show leaves me in awe, if you've seen that one. I've actually never seen it. Oh, it's amazing. What year was it? I have no idea. In my head, I want to say like 2017, but I don't think that's right. And I'm, I can't That be. must be too recent. Yeah, it's too recent. But he played in the rain and it's insane, Woody. I'm going to go back and watch. I don't you know should. if I'm emotionally prepared. It's an incredible show. Wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Wow. So, yeah, I'm on a, a bit of an emotional come down right now, but I'm ready. I'm on. I think you've done it. This is the equivalent of method acting for the pod, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like you've put yourself in the headspace more than just regular times. I, I grew up on hip hop, but moving to New York, it was such a fundamental part of my experience there. And I was a music writer at Paper Magazine, and it was pretty much most of what I covered. I was really there for the Atlanta uprising, where it was like Migos era and Lil Yachty, Lil Uzi Vert, PMB Rock, all those kind of South uh, East rappers. But yeah, no, I just like, it's just very special. But tell me what's inspiring you. Oh my God. I haven't seen you in a while. It I feels know. lovely and like fresh and I'm so excited to hear. And we didn't do the catch up before this. No, we came in completely So it feels dry. like I'm like teeming. All wet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tears oh on our God. faces, uh, sweat on our bodies from just life. <laughs> we're both sitting here with cookies in front of us. Cookies Which I think we're right. sorely needed. Oh yeah, dude. I'll just say I couldn't have asked for a better pick me up than this oh, cookie. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you so much. Uh, of course. It's my honor. It's my privilege. 
I feel like my inspiration is having a little treat, which is what I'm doing now. <laughs> An afternoon treat. Yeah. I've also... Unbelievable. Oh, my God. <laughs> Unbelievable. Penelope has a furry paw. No. Do, no. Raisins. As if your liver would go in a second. <laughs> in one second, it would be done. And she ate fries out of my McDonald's bag oh just my God. the other day. Okay, but and I'm like, chocolate? Are you joking? <laughs> are you trying to die? Are you trying to die? Is this a cry for help? <laughs> okay, okay, baby, okay, baby girl. <laughs> I have kept a pint of ice cream in the fridge, in the freezer, actually, I should say, um, at all times for like the past couple of months. And I cannot- One pint that you're slowly chipping away at? Oh, no, 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 no. I mean a pint, a pint at all times that I switch out when I finish that pint. It's just that there's never a time that I'm without a pint is what I mean to say. But I love, one, to eat ice cream when it's so hard it's basically ice. What? Yeah, I, I just put ice cream in the microwave. Soup? You like soup? No, no just like soup just soften it a little bit. Because no, otherwise no. it bends the spoon when you pull it out. That's fine with me. I'll take a spoon so I can eat an icy, icy slate of ice cream. What? You don't get brain freeze or teeth freeze or nothing? No. It's just no risk. You're just going into it. Well, I like to put it on like the pad of my tongue and then I kind of let it get a little softer that way. And then I like bite it and then I eat it like that. So kinky. <laughs> So that's how I eat ice cream and I've been eating it nonstop. I've just had it. I've had treats on treats every day. Donuts constantly. Yeah, you did come off. I saw you the other day. You were coming off a donut. Yeah. I love that. I've just had a yeah, big fat treat every day. I'm such a sweet tooth. So you and I are I know. really aligned. We on still that. need to go to better than sex desserts. Oh we my keep God. Saying, every time have I pass we said it, it on the podcast, better than sex. I want to plug it and I want to be sponsored. I want them to embrace me whole. I would love to work there. Oh my God. Of no- course. Okay. It's a sex themed dessert restaurant in central Los Angeles. If anyone wants to go with me, DM me and I will take you. It is incredible. Everything is sex themed. So it's like missionary apple crisp. It's like dirty slutty brownie it's i mean you could read the menu items. i was just looking yeah up re- the please read the menu items i'm looking up the menu i should have my birthday party there but oh my god that's a great idea that's a great idea put a pin in that i want mark to yes sorted. Okay, circling back uh but they also give you and this is my favorite part of it because it's designed for date nights or like post dinner experiences they give couples kind of a quiz to ask each other deep questions. And they also give it to you when you do takeout. So like you <laughs> so you take away your missionary crisp and then you're like, what is your favorite position? I was just going to say the missionary crisp, yeah. which is hilarious. <laughs> Naughty by nature, blueberry birthday suit, popcorn <laughs> pimp cheesecake, caress my carrot, Italian stallion peanut butter perversion like the decor did you read new moon like stephanie yes of course the volturi in italy that is pretty much (laughs) the interior decor of this restaurant black velvet no exactly (laughs) it's red satin black velvet that's my look that's (laughs) that's my life there are like plastic chandeliers everywhere it's so so dark like you can't see a thing fabulous and every staff member like every server is so inordinately happy i mean in la the service you're getting is usually like hey thanks for coming um what can i get started for you this is literally like guys this is the best day of my life that you've walked into better than sex what can we get going for you sexy little slut that is (laughs) it really is the best place on earth i love it there when you love your job it 
it flows. No, you don't work a day in your life. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so we will be going. Yeah. But if anyone would like to, I mean, we, we should host an event there, truly. I agree. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, Uncover Girl gets undressed at yes. Better Than Sex. Per- and that's it. That's final it. Final draft. <laughs> First draft, second draft, final draft. Yeah. All in one. Get naked with Uncover Girl. I mean, there's just so there's many. too many. There's yeah, yeah, yeah. so many. Oh too many God. to even count. But yeah, um, anyone you want to come, I'm taking you. Amazing. What's inspiring you? What's inspiring me is very relevant to this particular profile, our subject matter. Um, this one goes out to our beautiful, pure, straight male listeners, of which I thought we had none. And don't get me wrong. I love the girls. I love you girls. And I love, love the gays. But you are home to me. You are. <laughs> I know you well. I am you. And yet I, I'm a foreign, a foreign country, a foreign nation is the straight male. And I have recently discovered that we have multiple listeners to the point that I have kind of discussed or alluded to straight men that I know on this podcast. I've in fact referred to them in their antics. There was one particular episode where we talked about or broke down negging, which is negative talk it's the way of you like push and pull banter oh is that right really that you would do that wouldn't you you've never heard that album have you (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly it and I was confronted by the man that I was referring to and he said I'm making a conscious effort to stop nagging after I heard that on the pod yeah but wait there's more restorative justice him and his friend were driving home from a road trip his friend was fast asleep in the passenger seat and heard a reference to his name's Henrik hi Henrik heard a reference to Henrik being a quote-unquote Lothario and he rose from the dead wide-eyed gasped and said she's talking about you (laughs) Henrik proceeded to Google. The idea that our voices are bouncing around a Honda Accord with two straight men in it, deep in the night. A Subaru Outback. Yeah, a, a, a Nissan Altima. <laughs> I mean, it's friendly, it's titillating. We couldn't ask for more. But Henrik also had a bone to pick with me in the sense of uh, he Googled Lothario because he didn't know what it meant. And what, what do you think it means? I always assumed it was ladies' man. Yeah, I thought a ladies' man, like, Someone with a lot of lovers. Like Casanova? Yeah. He told me it meant someone who leaves many lovers unsatisfied sexually. What? I don't know if that's true. Let me fact check We're it right Googling. Now. We're Googling. A man who behaves selfishly and irresponsibly in his sexual relationships with women. Ah. Huh. That, they, is a co- that is a much more complicated definition than the one that I thought. They are seduced by a handsome Lothario who gains control of their financial affairs. <laughs> I guess it is an insidious character. Yeah. It's not like a ladies' man. Oh, well, he's a real person. Lothario? Yeah. Who was he? Oh, no, sorry. Fictional character, an unscrupulous seducer of women based upon the character in The Fair Penitent and 1703 Tragedy by Nicholas Rowe. I just didn't mm. know that. This is all history that I didn't know. So this like, is you haven't read that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! I thought you were cultured. Yeah, interesting. Century literature doesn't interest you. You're not literate, or <laughs> or or you're just like not interested in text. <laughs> oh, movies. Yeah, totally. Got it. What do you watch? Love Actually on repeat. <laughs> a yeah. music video on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned a lot from our straight male listeners, and I just want to say thank you so much. Yeah, we see you and we appreciate you. We're so grateful that you're here. No, the business plan did not account for you, (laughs) but our hearts are big enough to welcome you in. 
Yeah, he also said that you sound a lot like Alex Cooper from Call Her Daddy, which I don't see. That's shocking to me. I know. But I'll take, I mean, she's a very hot girl with deep voice example, a callback to another episode. And I don't know if I have a deep voice necessarily in a way that would be like, yeah, Yeah. I think I'm medium. I have a lot of range. Yeah, medium to low. Like, I guess I'm not like at an upper register. No. But I think you and I have similarly medium voices. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. I mean, we we were the first to admit it in our Hot Girls But Deep Voices theory. We said, look, like we're right there in the in the center range, which mm-hmm. like suits us just fine. We've gotten along. So I've learned a lot. I have decided you cannot judge a man based on his actions. <laughs> I, yep. Instead, you need to be aware of the full the full scope, the full package. And their willingness to adapt and change. Of course. Oh, that's true of everything in life. Wow. Well, we're talking about a man today. Oh, my God. We're talking about the manliest of men, one might Truly. argue. I think if you look up hypermasculinity, he his photo is right there. Yeah. 50 Cent, the life of a hunted man. In fact, man is in the title. Of course. Of course. Naturally. <laughs> oh, of course. This is Rolling Stone 2003. The subhead reads, at 12, he was a crack dealer. At 23, he was nearly shot to death. Now, at 26, he is a hip-hop ruler, and old rivals want him dead. Very dramatic. Yeah, I actually want to preface this a little bit. Mm -hmm. I just want to slide in with a little bit of a a PSA, a content warning, because this gets pretty heavy. We're talking about some really harrowing stuff, substance abuse, attempted murder, actual murder. So if you're feeling a little low today, a little like soft and fragile – as I truly have been. Circle back to us at a later date. We don't mind. Come back yeah. to us when you're feeling tough, hard, when you're ready to dive deep into the streets of Jamaica, Queens in the 1990s and deal some crack. Am I right? <laughs> I guess. Or if you're doing like lots of push-ups, this would be a good listen. This is the perfect a listen. Perfect. Any like wide grip pull up. Yeah. Sit ups. Any. This is for you. Yeah. This is going to keep you going. Yeah. So... Let's talk a little bit about the writer because I have never once, I don't think ever on this pod or in my life encountered a writer who goes by one name. Me neither. He's mononymously known as Toure. He's not only a journalist, but a cultural critic, a podcaster, a television personality. It's very Madonna of him to just go by the singular name Toure. I love it. And he deserves it. I mean, he's got the most stacked resume you've ever heard. He's a co-host of the TV show The Cycle on MSNBC. He was the host of Fuse's Hip Hop Shop and On the Record. He's also on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominating committee. Oh. Crazy. Oh my God. No, dream job. Dream job and clearly beloved and so respected within the industry. He taught a course on the history of hip hop at Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music, part of the Tisch School of Arts in New York. Very prestigious. Incredibly so. He has also written so, so many books. And I was interested if he was very prolific at the time of writing this profile. And he was. He actually had a book come out this year called The Portable Promised Land. And now he's in his 50s, which would have made him 50 Cent's contemporary at this point in time. Like what? they truly were peers. Yeah, 50 Cent is currently 48. He yeah. was born on my father's birthday, but <gasps> a couple years earlier. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's dead. That's dead. <laughs> yeah, 48. So 2003, huge year for pop culture. And I think we've been down this road before. Yeah. Particularly magazines. Teen Vogue launched in 2003. Oh. I know. My God, I remember the grocery store shelves. I could not get enough 
Of Did you buy? Vogue. Were you a regular? Were you a subscriber? Yeah, no. I was. I was Teen Vogue seventeen. Those are my two. If you remember, I think they always had real life teen contributors. Yes, but they were primarily like nepo babies. Yes, yeah. It was like Lena Dunham. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. And Anna Wintour's daughter. Yes. was like a Teen Vogue writer at fifteen. There's yes. like a really iconic photo of like a Teen Vogue summit, and it's like every single person in the shot, their net worth is like seven times mine at age 15 oh my god head to toe ralph lauren and j crew yep yep tory birch flats sea of headbands yeah <laughs> but vanity fair also published their totally reigning teens issue this year which featured hillary duff the olsen twins mandy moore Lindsay lohan amanda Bynes. like it was actually a crazy lineup and it was a huge cultural reset that was such an incredible cover we have it on our page and i think Hilary Duff later came out that there was a lot of drama that surrounded that, right? Yes. No one wanted to pose with anyone else. People showed up late. It was a whole to-do. Yeah. Ben and J-Lo called off their engagement a month after their movie, Giggly. Okay, I've never said it out loud. Jiggly? Giggly. Giggly? Giggly. (laughs) (laughs) A month after, we're going to go with Giggly. Yeah, we'll go with Giggly. (laughs) I bet someone's going to oh be like, God. you guys, what the, what the fuck was that? <laughs> a seminal movie of our time flopped at the box office and then they called off their engagement citing like intense media scrutiny. Although, as we now know, they would end up together 20 years later. Unbelievable. Nothing is over forever. No, no. Anything could happen. You Text could end your up. Ex. Text your ex. <laughs> Text him. <laughs> You've already met your husband, baby. Just crawl through that contact list. Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin got married this year. Mm. Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton officially divorced. And then iTunes made its debut, which I feel was huge. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was coming off the back of like Napstar and all these other music software programs. And it was like, there's no other way to go. We've got to lean into the digital culture. But most of all, it was a huge, huge year for television. So among the shows that debuted were The O.C., created by a 26-year-old Josh Schwartz, who was the youngest showrunner and I think still the history of the business. Oh, my God. 26. He wrote that script and saw it go to air. <laughs> Crazy. <sighs> Arre- it was so good. It was so good. It was so goddamn it was good. so goddamn good. Uh, Arrested Development mm-hmm. also premiered this year, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and... America's Next Top Model. You want to be on top? A troubled legacy. (laughs) (laughs) I think we got to do a rewatch. We got to go back. I actually was just thinking about it. I looked up recently when it aired. I was watching that episode where they change races, if you recall. Wait, I don't. Oh, it is the, I would argue, the most problematic photo shoot of the history of the show, maybe. Where was it earlier seasons? Or? Yeah, okay. earlier seasons. And they basically tell all the models, they're like, for this shoot, you're doing this. But there's a twist. You're all going to swap races. It's like full blackface okay. on a blonde, blue-eyed model. Some models are being painted with Asian features. Other models Ooh. are... It's like, we're talking full head wraps. We're talking c- costume level of cultural appropriation and it is just tragic just tragic and they're judged based on like how much they sold being a black woman it's horrific i would love to be in that production meeting oh yeah i've got a great idea yeah Yeah, so the white girls perfect (laughs) that'll be great and then the biggest album of 2003 
Get Rich or Die Trying by 50 Cent. I'm serious. It was the biggest selling album of this year. Was it really? Yeah. No, this is the most well-timed profile ever. Fabulous. Thank God we're doing it. Thank God. <sighs> and so, on an anniversary. This came out in 2003. So 20 years. Yeah. Just over. Wow. Over 2003. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're right on the money. But to kind of understand 50 is almost to dive straight into this profile because Ture does an incredible job of really laying it all out. Standard background. He was born Curtis Jackson in 1976, making him 48. And his nickname on the street was Boo Boo, which they never really explain. But I love it, frankly. Uh, his mother was killed when he was eight. She was a drug dealer and she died at 23, which oh. is crazy. She yeah. had him at 15. He became a drug dealer at 12, was in and out of prison until his early 20s, and then was shot nine times by a rival. So usually we also don't jump ahead, but because this hit so early in his career, I just wanted to give a little bit of props to his business acumen over the years. So off the back of the success of this album, he launched his own label, G-Unit, which I feel like rarely happens. People just don't think to do. They're like, no, no, I'm happy at Interscope. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to stay with Columbia. And then he expanded G-Unit into apparel and shoes, signing a five-year deal with Reebok. But he's also invested in, like, so many companies. He made $100 million investing in Glasso, the water company, which was bought oh. by Coca-Cola. Oh my God, a smart businessman. Truly. I mean, he was hit hard by the recession, ended up filing for bankruptcy, citing like $35 million in debt. But he now has a reported net worth of $40 million, So he's kind of right back up there. Love it. That really puts it in perspective. We're not broke. We don't have $35 million in debt. Yeah. You can lose and you can get it all right back. It's, I mean, we're taking all the lessons from this profile already. Yeah. This is actually an article for the hustlers out there. If you're grinding, if you're just plugging away, if success hasn't come easily or you feel like you're working so hard and you haven't seen the fruits of your labor, this one's for you. It begins. It's well past 4 a.m. and 50 cents six bodyguards are out in the hallway of the hotel, lazily leaning against the wall or completely asleep. 50 is inside his room, still pulsing with energy. Three hours ago, he finished the biggest show of his career yet, a sold-out venue for a crowd of 15,000. When 50 left the venue, he was surrounded by a ring of bodyguards until he climbed into a bulletproof GMC Suburban. A convoy of nine trucks followed him three minutes down the road to his hotel. Now, as his crew prowls for groupies, 50 is keeping a room full of friends in stitches, telling stories about his past with the same mix of he didn't just say that humor and gruesome detail that has made him the most exciting new MC and the coolest new villain in hip hop since the emergence of Eminem. There's a thin wife beater covering his chiseled torso and a Yankees hat balanced at an angle atop a white do-rag on his head. His navy blue bulletproof vest is there on the floor. It really paints a picture for you. It does. Doesn't it? Yeah. You're immediately in the room. You're immediately in the room and there's also a palpable sense of fear. And I think this is interesting because it's a running theme. Like the threat of violence is very prevalent throughout this entire profile. And yet 50 is kind of completely unfazed by it. He just is truly going about his business. But his security is on 10. He's never without his bulletproof armor. But he's just so like he's just like this is a part of life like he begrudges nothing the nine trucks trailing behind him like that's like a presidential escort yeah for a three-minute drive 
But oh. you've got to also put this in cultural context and, and the fact that this was the era where fame did not protect you from absolutely anything. I mean, rappers were getting shot left, right and center, especially, you know, gangster rappers, which 50 was. And I mean, obviously this still occurs today, but I think it was just such a omnipresent threat back then. Like it was almost par for the course. It was like, okay, this is the downside. Now we're like, oh my God, the downside is I have to keep posting TikToks. <laughs> now it's like, I could die at any minute, but like, you know, we carry on. So he starts talking about his six-year-old son, Marquise, and his son's mother, who's there in, in the moment, pulls out a picture from her wallet. She calls him a hip-hop baby. One time he was watching TV with another little kid, 50 says, and a person got shot and died. He said to the other kid, that's weak. My daddy got shot a lot of times. He didn't die. Everyone laughed, but 50 said, I had to tell him that was a special situation. You're not supposed to get hit that many times and get away. So I know, I know, I know. You're going to be, you know, slapped in the face many times with some really crazy quotes. But this intro is as editorializing as it kind of gets because 50's life to date has been so insane that Teray has no other option but to lay it out like an autobiography. So it's kind of like this happened and then this happened and this happened and this is 50's take. Also, with the life that he's had, there's really no room for him to like, well, let me just ease you all into this. It's like, no, his mom died at eight. So that's where our story sort of begins as to like what, how a person survives when that happens to you. So yeah, there's really no way to lull you in. No, and there's no chance to really take a breath either. I think at this point in time, he's 26. Yeah. So he's young and so much has happened already. And this is kind of what he's used to really a lot of kids his age like didn't make it out of queens didn't survive he talks about his neighborhood being where a lot of young black men's bodies are buried like it's this is kind of the the nature of the profile this is where we kick off pretty much his first hip-hop mentor jam master j was killed execution style last year And just four days before this evening, when Ture is sitting down with 50, an empty SUV owned by Buster Rhymes was hit with six bullets parked in front of 50 Cent's manager's office. Right now, there are people who want 50 dead. Like I said, we're not going to divert from this narrative even a little bit. Like, this is his life. This is his lifestyle. He's surrounded by murder. And it's wild how he seems sort of unflappable in the face of... I don't know how any of us would respond if we knew for a fact people wanted us dead and were going through great pains to try to kill us. And he is sort of just like, no, they've tried before. It didn't work. We push on. For sure. I think there's also something really interesting to be said about the fact that while his songs are tough, like they're hard, he didn't seem to be making, and I could be fully fact-checked and corrected on this, but really overt threats in the way that like a Tupac would, right? Or even if you compare him to more recent rappers, a lot of them who have died used to always reference their own death. Like if you look at Juice World or XXXTentacion, they were always talking about how they were going to die young. And 50 doesn't really subscribe to that whatsoever. He totally sees himself as a survivor. He is, yeah, totally unbothered by the fact that so many people have a bounty on his head and he 
funnily enough, kind of credits it all to jealousy, which I find so interesting. He's not like, I'm a dude that fucked everyone over and now they're coming for me. He's like, I'm special. I'm a star. Like they're going to try and take me down. It's such, it's such a funny outlook, which it's, and it's so innately human, which I love because it will be true. A lot of guys who came up with him will be envious of what he's achieved. And And the money he has. The money he has and the way he managed to make it out. So basically all of this kind of hate and, and violence is coming from old competitors in crack dealing and, it's really just multiplied because of his fame. He goes, this is no rap war. This has nothing to do with rappers, like a Tupac biggie beef of like West Coast, East Coast, whatever. He's saying the the gangsters don't like that I do whatever the fuck I want to do. I'm moving around. I'm all over the country. I'm making money. I'm a motherfucking star. I'm from the bottom. That uneasy about still being on the bottom. Yeah. That is a really a hair flip of a quote. Mm-hmm. Everyone's jealous. <laughs> it's like, people's moms who raise them to be they're just jealous of you girls and then they all those girls walk through life just seeing enemies all around but also with a spring in their step i feel of like course. <laughs> yeah it's a hair flip yeah it is and a an angry eye and it, it crops up later but 50 does say that his default emotion is anger and he's got the emotional capacity of like a 13 year old he kind of doesn't know how to <laughs> no, feel no. any other way i know But he gets through his days in a series of bulletproof trucks. He walks with four to six bodyguards just inches away at all times. He's ushered briskly through streets and doors, but his body language and demeanor show him basically like unmoved. Like you said, he says like these would be killers know how I am. If anything was to go on around here, they need to move everything that they love. So he's like, they could try and come at me. They could try come at my family. The interviewer, Ture, expresses kind of concern about 50's grandparents who are still alive and they raised him. And 50's like, look, like they come for grandma and grandpa. I'm killing everything. Yeah. He says their mummy, their puppy, their kids, all of that. That it starts some real nasty shit and they don't want to go through that. Ture writes, he seems confident he won't be killed, unperturbed by being hunted. It don't matter to me, he says. That shit is not important when you got finances. Do I look uneasy to you? That quote took me out. <laughs> I know. I would love to say that. In a situation like a date, do I look, do I oh. look uneasy to you? <laughs> what an incredible sentiment to express because I feel like I know a lot of people who were uneasy when they've like just dropped their keys on the floor and had like an off morning where they were six minutes late to a meeting and then it's like, you look uneasy to me. Oh my God, walking to their car at yeah. 9 p.m. Yeah. Uneasy. 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 Scared. And this is what I mean. I feel like. I feel like there is a law of attraction thing. When you are constantly looking for danger, it kind of finds you. Or you're constantly looking for beef. Yeah, a fight, drama, it really does find you. And in 50's case, he's like, oh, that's out there and it's real. But I'm absolutely fine. And he has proved over and over again that he is kind of fine. How often are you experiencing fear in general as you go through life? It's so funny you should ask me this. I was thinking about it the other day. Not regularly. And when it crops up, it is a surprise. Mm -hmm. I think primarily it's an unhelpful emotion. Oh, yeah. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless if you're walking to your car late at night, if you, you know, but again, this is coming from the perspective of like, I haven't had a really traumatic, dangerous 
encounter that would kind of put me in that mindset. I think everyone's kind of a product of their circumstances. And that's what's so interesting about 50, because even though his circumstances have been so adverse at so many different points of life, he just is so positive. Mm -hmm. But what about you? Do you feel fair often? In the, in the physical sense, I want to say, like physical harm. Very, very infrequently. I almost never, when I'm walking around a city of any kind, feel fear or like it doesn't occur to me. But I also feel like, I know, going to college in Chicago, living in New York and then living in LA, I feel like in Chicago, I was like, if I'm walking around alone at night, which I did all the time, I'm walking around confidently and looking everyone in the eye and... I tend to think everything's going to be okay, but I do experience fear when it comes to people that I love. That's like where fear happens for me most frequently. Like I couldn't get a hold of my sister and I was like, <laughs> yeah, or like I worry about my dog. Yeah, that's real. I also feel fear on behalf of others, but it crops up in, in ways where it's usually strangers watching that car when we were driving on the freeway cross mm-hmm. three lanes of traffic or when we watch that girl try and commit suicide I know yeah and that, I mean that was like truly like shocking type fear yeah but I yeah I don't I've always been the person to walk home alone and never ever been phased yeah I guess I've made some like pretty oh <laughs> decisions. for sure I've done dumb things I've done yeah yeah I think there's also a power in feeling strong and feeling like you could handle yourself to some extent and I, I definitely like I think the scariest circumstances I've put myself in is as a result of drinking too much and I don't yeah. do that anymore. So yeah. yeah, early twenties being wasted, being out in New York probably wasn't the best idea in hindsight, but I mean, those are ultimately teachable moments. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard, yeah. but I just feel like some people experience fear a lot. Yes. Are like go through life very afraid. I 50 I, is not one of them. No. And I, and I was going to say, I, I think it is a really American thing, but I'm starting to learn that that's probably not true. It's almost like a conservative mindset now where it's like illegal immigrants and quote unquote bad neighborhoods. And that that's something that really didn't sit right with me and has kind of annoyed me on and off during my life of like someone messaging me when I lived in Bed-Stuy. And obviously Bed-Stuy is very different now than when I lived there, very gentrified. But I just had someone kind of reach out to me and be like, you know, sh- I'm, we're going to come to New York, but our our apartment is here is it safe? And mm. I was kind of like, <sighs> you know, like it's, I, you're in a big city. You're always taking some kind of risk. Like if you've got the money, I don't know, live in Tribeca. I, I don't know. Yeah. I just like, it, it just kind of annoyed me. Cause I was like, it's just, it comes from a really privileged vantage point. I feel like to go through life, always worried about safety and being behind gates or It's just a suburban mindset, which is really what it is, I think, because so often it's like a dog whistle when people ask if this neighborhood is safe. What they mean is like, it seems like a pretty diverse neighborhood. Yeah, they're white people here. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Which is so white flight of an era where like everyone was just like, let's all just be together. Yeah. And uh, no culture will happen there. So sad. Exactly. Not a lot of learning will happen there. No, no. And I mean, white victimhood crops up when you least expect it. And it, it really is confronting in that in that moment. Yeah, I know. So yeah, I don't experience fear that often. And I feel like that served me well. Incredible question. I feel like people should ask their friends that more I often. I agree. I agree. 
That's why they pay the big bucks. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. So 50 asks, do I look uneasy to you? Yeah. And Ture says, he does not. <laughs> in this hotel room, he's boisterous, arrogant, secure in his own skin and having fun. The man from the gutter in Queens who nearly ended up in prison or dead is the biggest new star of the year. His gory, brilliant major label debut, Get Rich or Die Tryin', sold 2.1 million copies in its first three weeks. Like, that's Taylor Swift numbers. <laughs> that that's, I had no idea. Crazy. I've seen him live. How was it? Incredible. Was it really? Yeah, it was. It was also the strangest context in the world. I saw him live at a festival that I went to when I was probably 13. And it was very much all time low, never shout, never like Owl City. And then the oh headliner was 50 Cent. Stop. And all of us. You go from Firefly yes. to In the Club? No, truly. What a transition. We were like, <gasps> and one of the nights, the headliner was Fallout Boy. And then the other night was 50 Cent. Okay, the only thing that compares to this is a festival that Steven, your fiance, went to, wherein he saw like Nickelback, some 41, like Hooper said, like, and he was like, yeah, I was 11. It was the best night of my life. It was Avril Lavigne. That oh, was the Avril Lavigne. And those God. were all the openers. Who headlined? Yeah, Avril headline, <laughs> Hoobastank open. And then there was like an insane, there was someone else. Oh, it's some chapped band. I can't think of it. Yeah, but iconic oh my gosh well first of all i'm jealous where was this festival milwaukee wisconsin that no your festival oh mine yeah. was in orange county okay yeah gorgeous i forget the name it wasn't warped tour but it was something it was trying to be wow and so this is when we we get into it a little bit we get it sounds so facetious to say but a tease of what happened to 50 on that uh, fateful day in 2000, just months away from the release of his first album. So tracking back, you know, he grew up in Jamaica, Queens, which was really rough. He said, yeah, a, a lot of people's bodies were, were dumped nearby where he lived and he never knew his dad. And he doesn't want to know now. He goes, let's give him a warning in this article. Don't you even dare crawl your ass out this way. I don't want to know. 50's mother, Sabrina Jackson, was 15 years old when she had him, and she was, I guess, a, a pretty prolific cocaine dealer. He says she was really hard, but he honestly spent most of his time with his grandparents, and his mom was kind of working all the time. 50 says that she used to kind of substitute money for love, and every time he saw her, it was like another gift for him. It was Christmas every day. He said, she put jewelry on me early. When 50 was eight, someone went home with Sabrina and put something in her drink that left her unconscious, closed the window and turned on the gas. She was found a few days later. 50 says that it had to be something to do with drugs. And that's when he moved in with his grandparents full time. At that point, he was hustling from 3 to 6 p.m. every day in his early teens, basically when his grandparents assumed he was at an after school program. So he would do all the stuff on the street and then he talks about like his split personality at home. So he would be out there being hard, tough, drug dealer in, in Queens and then would get home and be his grandmother's baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, once I'm outside, I do whatever I got to do to get by. But then he'd flip the switch and in a heartbeat had kind of adapted into this charming, soft-spoken choir boy. And he was like really aware of when he was doing each. He was always a performer, I guess. He goes, I know I got to separate the two in order to progress, which 
It's so true. And, yeah. And there is something about him that is so incredibly lovable and charming. Don't yes. you feel like it? Oh my gosh, absolutely. There's a warmth. Totally. Yeah. And, and not everybody has not that. Not everyone has it. I think that is the biggest takeaway is that he has it. Mm-hmm. Like he really has it. He sparkles. He does. He does. I would love to meet him, actually. That'd be a good profile. That would be a fun profile at this point, revisiting 20 years later, 100%. Mm-hmm. So he was arrested for possession of crack really early on and given juvenile probation. He transferred to another school. But he was always like the kid showing up, I guess, like dripping in jewelry and looking incredible. He said it was a fashion show in high school for him. (laughs) And he would just show up with like wads of cash and drugs. He dropped out after 10th grade, but still got his GED in jail. We love a studious man. And by this time, he was like a budding boxer, a rising street icon, a celeb like feared throughout Queens and very quickly rose to the ranks to become in control of like a crack house and the main drug selling strip around the way. At 18, 50 was making 5000 a day selling crack and heroin. And he decided to treat himself and got a white Land Cruiser and a white Mercedes Benz 400 SE. Happy for him. <laughs> 5000 a day? That's a lot. That's a lot. In the late 90s, that is a lot of money. Adjusted for inflation, I don't want to think. And this is when we kind of get into his business mind a little bit, and we see that, like, fledging acumen I was referring to earlier. So he used, like, a lot of intimidation strategy to maintain his hold on the strip. During one of his prison stints, he actually met some thieves and basically employed them to rob the rival queen's hustlers. He let the stick up kids keep whatever cash and jewelry they got as long as they gave him all the drugs. And then he gave all the stolen drugs to his customers when they bought his crack as like a buy one, get one free deal. This forced his competitors to carry guns, which basically put them more at risk to law enforcement intervention. They had to stash the guns and flee if the cops ever came around. He then says, consistency is the key to all success. If you can consistently sell crack without the cops coming, you're going to be successful. If you consistently put out quality material in your mixtape, it'll build anticipation for your album. I text you this and I was like, words to live by. I mean, a smart businessman. I know. Quite frankly, that's all we're trying to do here. Yeah. Consistently substantive material. Yep. (laughs) A good product. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. In the summer of 1994, 50 was arrested twice in three weeks and knew he was either headed for death or prison. He was like, as long as you stay there straddling that world, you don't beat the odds. So he decides he's got to get out of this life. He knows like nothing about constructing songs, but he just like told himself he would succeed. He says, I convinced myself it's going to work and then no one can convince me that it's not. (sighs) We all need to be like this. I know, I know. He should honestly... Give a course. So many of the people we profile have quotes like this where it was, I decided to do it. And there was, that was plan A, B, and C, and D. No other option. Yeah. No other option, but to succeed. Beyonce is like this. Taylor was like this. Yeah. She was like, I chose my career at 11. And then I was like, there's no way this isn't happening. It's done. Yeah. It is a type of person Mm -hmm. who makes it like this. And I don't think it's for everyone. And I don't think everyone should want or aspire to this Mm. because I think you have to be the fifties, the Beyonce's, the Taylor's to survive and thrive and maintain longevity. Otherwise, if you're looking at it like, Oh, success is great. If I get to do this for a living, amazing, but like fame is like a terrible byproduct and you're not going to be able to maintain that momentum. 
Of course, because you're always worried or always there's something not right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and he's a cancer. I think that's what makes him so lovable. He's a little feely and he holds a grudge. And he, oh my God, he holds a grudge. I think it cancers like most base level, like the least evolved cancer is someone who really is like bubbling with anger and doesn't know how to express it. And then your well-evolved cancer is, is someone that knows how to effectively communicate. 50 basically says that he never got the tools to communicate. So he remains stunted as like a 13 year old, but you can tell that he is so thoughtful. He's very considered as a person. He's not, I've, I've met a lot of rappers who will, when you ask them about their success, they'll say, yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's cool. You know, we just started and we started just like fucking around and this came out of it. And yeah, it's, it's all really sick. Now I walk into Gucci and buy anything I want. And like, you're kind of left confused as to how they really feel about what's happened to them. And their plan is to staying where they are and what's next goal wise. Like there's just nothing really there. And he has thought about it all. And yeah, he's, he's such a a cool guy. Yeah. So he gets hooked up with a reputable producer who started treating 50 immediately like a big budget artist. In 1999, 50 moved on to Columbia where he recorded his first album, Power of a Dollar. It was fearless and funny gangster rap. And in the middle of it, he released How to Rob, a song that saw him take shots at some of the biggest rappers in the game, including Jay-Z. And then Jay responded. He wrote in a kind of a comeback diss track, I'm about a dollar. What the fuck is 50 Cent? And that bold, name... Bold, 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 bold. <laughs> bold, from Jay. But that name check alone was enough to really put 50 on the map. I mean, 50 hadn't come out with Get Rich or Die Trying at this point. So he's like really flattered by the fact that Jay even acknowledged him. <laughs> 50 goes, he wouldn't say nothing back to somebody he didn't think was hot. I never went to radio until he said that about me. I don't know if my career would be where it's at if he didn't respond. True. I wonder if there's, you can draw a parallel there between like Meek Mill and Drake and the fact that Meek Mill consistently went after Drake and Drake, who, as we know, is petty and emotional, yeah. <laughs> clapped back. And then Meek's profile rose hugely. And then, of course, they would end up collaborating together and now all right. as well. So it's like, you know, is it all strategy at the end of the day? Like, you you got to think. Oh, my God. But 50 at this point was really poised to be a star. His album was supposed to be released. There was like at least one contract on his life, he says, sometimes three. But he's like, where I'm from, the price of life is cheap. For 5000 you could kill somebody. This is how like nonchalant he is. I'm trying to adopt that tone, but mm-hmm. it's pretty serious stuff. You could pick a shooter. You could have a few different choices even. Might do it for even less if they like you. And then Ture writes, on May 24th, 2000, death came for a visit and his life changed forever. So obviously this has been touched on earlier in the profile. You could not explain 50 at this point without threading this one event throughout like it really is the anchor i'm just gonna read it he was at his grandmother's house on the way to the tattoo parlor then to the studio at about 11 20 in the morning he got into a friend's car then was asked to go back and get some jewelry when he returned and slid into the car another car pulled up someone crawled out the back and came up on 50's left side with a gun cocked Sneaky motherfucker, man, 50 says. He did it right. He just didn't finish. The man hit him with nine shots at close range. 50 took bullets in the hand, the hip, the calf, the chest, 
and one to the face that went through his left cheek and into his mouth. He was like, you don't actually feel each one hit you because the adrenaline is pumping. You're like moving and trying to get out of the way. He goes, I was bouncing around the back seat. We pulled off. We got a block or so. We had to get, <laughs> we had to pull over to get rid of the tote gun, <laughs> threw it in the sewer. Then we got to the hospital, but I was up and talking the whole time. A few weeks later, the shooter was murdered. 50 denies responsibility. I can't fathom. And I also cannot fathom that at the time of this profile, this happened like three years prior. Yeah, yeah. It's super like fresh. fresh. Totally. It's also, I'm just not sure how, as a journalist, you kind of come into something that is like, yeah, a, an event of this gigantuan proportion. And you say, so how is it? Um, how was your near death? Uh, experience how was that attempted murder for you do you want to maybe unpack that a little bit quarter on yep no you can just we're we're rolling yeah <laughs> it's just so like, i've actually done that before no yes yeah i wrote a story about a group of women that founded a self-defense karate dojo in the 70s and one of them she was the instructor and she had a horrific near-death experience where a man was basically waiting in her house when she came home one day and had to like fight him to the death and he it, died she almost died he it was horrific 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 he had a knife he like cut her eyelid like it was like unbelievable that she survived this at all and i had to ask her to take me through all the events of it both for fact checking and also just so i made sure to get the story all right and i just let us take a lot of pauses and prefaced it by being like if any of this brings anything up for you we can stop at any point and then a check-in after of like if this gets intense like we can stop and if how are you feeling at the end but it's horrifying you're asking someone to relive one of the most traumatic and stressful days of their life and it's just really brutal. It's just uh, really brutal. Oh, it's just so hard to kind of step your way through that. And you feel callous the whole time. Because yeah. how do you respond? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, there's no way. Yeah. It's like, shut crazy. up. Yeah, yeah. Shut up. Well, you also feel totally exploitative. And I felt yeah. that on many occasions with many different stories, wherein what they're describing is like, yeah, unfathomable pain whether it's happened to them or people close to them and they're still reeling from the the repercussions of that. There's just always this underlying dynamic of like, this is an assignment. I'm getting paid for this. You're not a therapist. You're not there to fundamentally help them. If you end up giving them some catharsis in some way, then that's hugely special and kind of one in a million. Like, you know, you're very lucky if you, if you can offer something like that. But most of the time, it's just bleak. Like it is bleak and it's not fun to ask. It's not fun to necessarily write. No. And I feel like it's only, it only is worth it if it's absolutely essential to the story, which I think in 50s case, it sort of is. And I think in 50s case too, he kind of seems all good. And that's the yeah. saving grace. Like, yeah, he's like, I grew up on the streets. His album name is get rich or die trying. He he treats death like a non-event. He doesn't fear it. He it's, considers it inevitable, but not now, not tomorrow. He just like is so inherently chill and even recounting something that would be 
so traumatic as, as this, as this shooting, like he doesn't take it personally in any way. And I think that also comes from someone who is being hardened by the streets is really tough. And unlike women who are raised to constantly be on the lookout for, for a possible assaulter, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, or a, yeah, to always be on guard. Um, he's just kind of like, yeah, this is just the nature of the game. And and yeah, if it happens, it happens, but I think I'm good. He also lost a mother so young. And I don't know about you, but I, friends of mine who have lost parents young have a very different lease on life when it comes to death. It's sort of like, yep, it will come for us all. And mm-hmm. not necessarily in a negative way, just in a way that the perspective is there the whole time. Well, the perspective really shifted, I think, for him after this more than anything else. I mean, he spent less than two weeks in the hospital, which is just like, he's a miracle. Like he is a medical marvel. And within six weeks, he was walking on his own. Then he started working out. (laughs) Endless push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups. Ture wrote that, and I love this because this is so 2003. Like this is so ANTM debuting this year. Ture writes, he turned from kind of fat to chiseled. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, kind of fat? Like a... (laughs) Have to say that. (laughs) His first album was actually under Columbia Records, and they're like, "This is too much drama. We wanted a gangster rapper, but not like actually gangster." So his album is fully put on the shelf, and he is forced to, I guess, pivot. Eminem and Dr. Dre signed him to a joint label deal, and Dr. Dre produced Get Rich's first single, "In the Club." Dr. Dre says that as soon as 50 walked into the studio, he picked up a pen and he was done in just over an hour. Oh my God. <laughs> Dre goes, yeah, we just made some shit we wanted to hear. 50 went platinum in just over a week, which of course is still one of his most iconic songs and what he performed at the Super Bowl last year uh, that made me break down in, in tears. But part of 50's success Ture acknowledges is that he has a really unique voice. He has a slur that's basically from like the hole in his jaw resulted from the bullet in his face. So he's got like a concave gum and then a bullet is still lodged in his tongue or it was at this point. And he really credits this injury to giving him like an edge on every other rapper in America. He says, getting shot totally fixed my instrument because he had this slur that just like no one else could imitate while rapping. And then that's really where the mythos, the mythos, (laughs) that's really, (laughs) mythos. that's really where the mythos of 50 Cent kind of began. I mean, people started to see him as unkillable. And even though he was like dropped by Columbia, Eminem caught on and was like, this guy is tough as fuck and flew him out to LA for a meeting. Eminem goes, the dude got shot, got back up and is still popping shit. He came back stronger than ever. That made me stop. (laughs) (laughs) Such a flattering quote. If he says he's going to pop you, you think he might. I love that Eminem just crops up in here. It's just so good. It's so good. Kids want to see a guy that got shot that many times and lived. There's a whole mystique about him. But at the same time, the same kids that are going to shows are a little bit intimidated by him. Maybe not all, but most. He's definitely out there. And that's me saying that. Well, because I feel like tough is one of the things you cannot fake. No. You can't fake tough. You can't fake cool. From man to man. 
in hip hop during this time when masculinity was currency. Mm-hmm. To call someone tough or to say like that made me stop. This guy is a is a hard dude. I mean, that's the ultimate sign of respect. Oh yeah. <laughs> so funny what men like love about other men. It's, it's what like so moves them? Yeah. He's so good at surfing. Like, <laughs> fabulous. This is fabulous. Meanwhile, like what we love about other women is like the core of their heart or like so it's like yeah so kind she would pick you up from the airport at 4 a.m yeah lax no less yeah that's who i would call in a crisis say no yeah. more she picks my spirits up yeah and the guy's like whenever i want to be a he's often down he loves to play basketball with me <laughs> on the community courts and he's good too yeah we did like six on six but he <laughs> took them all down <laughs> both of us treading water right now (laughs) absolutely (laughs) but eminem keeps going like he's not gonna stop he says one of the things that excited me about tupac was that he was rhyming like the simplest words in the world but you felt like he meant it and it came from his heart that's the thing with 50 that same aura that's been missing since we lost park and biggie that authenticity the realness behind it And this is one of the final quotes, which I found really special. Like what a way to end with someone who discovered 50, lifted him up at a time when he was so low and really just admires him and puts him on a, on a pedestal that I don't even think he would see for himself. Like it must be so special for someone who is such a breakout sensation, like Eminem to be like, no, wait, you're very good. Mm. And Eminem and 50 couldn't be more different artists. Yeah. Eminem is a total wordsmith mm-hmm. who is like manipulating sounds and writing poetry. Like 50 is club bangers. Like it couldn't be further apart. And yet, yeah, there's so much mutual respect there. I don't know. I just love it. And Eminem put one of his songs in 8 Mile, right? Well, they have so many collabs. Yeah. Yeah. That's sweet. And then I they performed at the Super Bowl together. I know. Don't take Tears me back there. Down your don't face. take me back there. Uh, so now we're reaching the end and Ture really ties a neat bow on the duality of 50 Cent because he's like, look, at the end of the day, 50 really does believe in money over anything else. Like that is his God. That is his North Star. He's really all about getting rich or dying trying, but now he's just changed his route to do so. So they're back in the hotel room. At this point, it's almost morning and 50's still telling stories. First about when Foxy Brown came to visit him at the hospital. Sexy. Mm -hmm. Then about an old friend with such bad luck, he got arrested almost every time he left home. It's almost time to leave. So he slips on his bulletproof vest and begins pulling the Velcro straps tight. He's richer than ever, but he's still being hunted. That the guys out there selling drugs is after what he got from rapping, he says. When you walk into the club, the bouncer stops doing whatever the fuck they're doing to let you in and says, everyone else, wait. He's special. That's the same shit they do when you start killing in your hood. This is what we've been after the whole time. We just went about it wrong. Mm. Everyone turns when Marquise's mom holds up a tailor-made, kitty-sized, navy blue bulletproof vest that her son will wear on stage this summer at his father's shows. There's something cute and funny about it, but no one laughs. Not everybody could do it, not to make light of this event at all, but I just think of like other big celebrity moments, the Kim Kardashian robbery and how that like completely changed her perception of being out in the world, her like ability to attend events, like her security is insane. She doesn't wear jewelry really. And it just completely altered her life in a way that 
fear became an everyday thing that she's coping with. 50 just didn't do that. He just got ripped. Just like, was like, <laughs> I'm going to do so many push-ups. I wanted to touch on a little bit his politics because I just found his takes so funny. He came out in support of George Bush <laughs> because he, I guess, liked the way he dealt with Hurricane Katrina which is interesting. But then later on, he said that Bush has less compassion than the average human. By all means, I don't aspire to be like George Bush. And then in 2007, he told Time that although he would not endorse a candidate in 2008, he liked Hillary Clinton. Wow. (laughs) He later switched to Barack Obama after hearing him speak. He said an interesting relationship with gay marriage, which I also just wanted to touch on. He was kind of anti in the past, And then when Obama endorsed gay marriage, he was like, I'm for it. I've encouraged same-sex activities. I've engaged in fetish areas a couple times. (laughs) It was just a fun little takeaway. Just speaking out. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. There's just something about him. He's so damn lovable. Yeah. What an interesting man. I know. And now he's 50. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been through so much. And I think that is what hits me so hard when I see all those boys up on stage together at the Super yeah. Bowl halftime show. We have to be invited to his 50th birthday. <laughs> I'm putting that on the mood board. I don't know how. Yeah. Do you think there's a way maybe? <laughs> um, If we really work at it, 50s, 50th birthday in two years, hmm. I think it's doable. 2026, what are you up to? How could we do it? Okay, we break up with our partners now to yeah. get a head start. On being internet thoughts? Yes. We just post tits, tits, tits. Tits, tits, tits. Ass. Straight to towel. Yeah. Every Tuesday, Every Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. And then we just stalk his shows. I think it is possible with all that work. Yeah. But it really it's would a become commitment. a full-time job. It would be a full-time job. We yeah. couldn't write anymore. No, we'd give up we'd everything have else. To, we'd have to give up the podcast for sure. Yeah. It wouldn't align. Maybe dabble with OnlyFans a little bit. Mm. That would pay the bills at least just to get by. And then is he married? Great question. Can I have a look? Yeah. Because I feel like also all of this hinges on either him being unfaithful, even well, just like in theory, he or still only has one son, which what? is interesting. No, he's not married. And he's never been married. I did wow. read that his baby mama tried to sue him because he said to her, I'll take care of you for the rest of your life. And then obviously was like, well, I actually don't need to. Like, my son is now 18 and I don't need to take care of you. And then she took him to court and the judge was like, sounds like you guys just broke up, no? (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, I think he just... How do you survive that? Yeah, I think he just said something because he, like, loved you and now you guys aren't together? Like, yeah. Okay, I just looked up 50 Cent Girlfriend. Long time relationship. Oh, I knew it. And she's absolutely gorgeous. Of course she is. Who is she? Jamira Haynes. She's gorgeous. She really is so hot. I just want to also know how old she is just for our own reference. Yeah. So then we can carry on. Oh, no. Shut up. She is one week younger than me. <gasps> we are right. She's She'll be turning 29 really soon. We oh are right God. there. And she is so beautiful. Scorpio. My God. Scorpio. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, my God. Do you want to see her? Yeah, I do. Desperately. My, my laptop died. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's stunning. Look at that smile. Oh, my God. Million watt smile. Yeah. 
Okay. Oh well, God. it's not to Wait, be. Wait, what was the first comment that said 50 Cent? 50 Cent got him a dime piece. She fine and smart. Lo- fine and smart? I know. That's like the nicest thing anyone could say. I know. And it looks like she... Did she have a business? Lifts. Yeah. It looks like she, she has does. a fitness business. Oh, my God. Yeah. Love that. Of course she does. I know. I'm happy for both of them. We're obviously not going to do any of this. <laughs> we're <laughs> obviously not going to. We're gonna... not going to shamelessly pursue 50 just no. to get to his birthday party? <laughs> just to go to 50th. 50th birthday. 50th, 50th. Oh, my God. He deserves every happiness. I just think he's he's a good guy. I, I think, agree. On, underneath it all, ultimately. And I agree. We so often don't profile guys that we really feel connected to. So. No, I also feel like this is our first rapper. No, Drake. Drake. But, I mean, I guess. Who were you going to say first real? But what were you going to no, no, say? No, no, no. I just mean As like... As a Torontonian, no less. <laughs> I just feel like Drake is like R&B. Yeah. He would die to hear you say that. Sorry. No, but I think that 50 was kind of the blueprint for an artist like Drake in a lot of ways. I mean, what 50 put out was a version of melodic rap. Like, he wasn't yeah. hard spitting bars. It was really singing infused. It had melody there. And that would later be Drake's kind of MO. He would really bridge those worlds of R&B and rap. And yeah, I think I think 50 is just, he's just a really seminal character in pop culture. He deserves the credit. I agree. I agree completely. Wow, I'm, I'm uplifted. I feel very uplifted. I actually feel very inspired. Me too. Me like too. Everything, the consistency is key to success, the I believe it, I want it, I do it, I achieve it. It's just that simple. Like mm-hmm. he just, he looks at life through such an interesting lens. Like he just has rose colored glasses on at all times. God. Who else do you know gets shot nine times, gets back up and is like, yeah, I feel like now's the time to maybe get fit. What do you reckon? Like, it's so, oh my god, it's so crazy. Yeah, really healthy, healthy mindset, healthy mindset, surviving mind, like yeah, survivors survi- yeah, mindset. Survivors. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm sure there have been many complications as well, but I'm really inspired. I really needed this today. So did I. I really needed this today. <sighs> Actually, I I really could take back our earlier warning of like if you're feeling low maybe this is not the time for you i mean I this agree. Was, this we had a real narrative arc if we went down we went yeah. down but we really shot back up i think higher than we've ever risen off a profile i agree i know i feel crazy i do too i do too i could do anything yeah i'm gonna go lift right now just go like pump some iron and then put out a multi-platinum album that's my plan today that's my plan today Oh, oh, what a great job. I'm so happy. I actually feel really, really happy. Me too. <laughs> I hope that you're having such an incredible day. And I hope that this really brought you the same joy that it's it's brought us today. I mean, it's the mix of joy and perspective, I think. Yes. It's like I nothing actually uplifts me more than when I remember that there's no point in feeling sorry for oneself or like that there's more to life or just like any sort of perspective giving moment in life i'm always like thank you i needed this desperately and there's a real palpable difference between victim and survivor and i think that 50 makes that so clear Mm -hmm. he is a survivor in the truest sense of the world he could be considered a victim of a shooting but he's he's not i just really hope that this yeah empowers you the way it has us yeah i agree and on that note you have a you have a great day and you stay safe out there you walk with your head held high yeah take a note from 50 yeah get rich yeah 
and, and then get ripped. Oh, that's good. Changing my Instagram handle, get tattooing rich. that on my lower back. Get rich and no, then get on ripped. each breast. Yeah. Get rich, get ripped. I mean, it's there. It's all there. It's all frankly. Yeah. All right. All right. Love you so much. Bye. See you next week. <laughs>